Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. The crypto world has faced a lot of headwinds this year, losing over two thirds of its peak valuation of almost three trillion dollars hit in 2021, and that's as inflationary pressures and a gloomy economic outlook looms. But there's also been good news too, with Ethereum merge coming into full force. But still, the debate continues on where the crypto world is headed. So joining us today is Darius Sit, founder and chief investment officer of QCP Capital. Darius, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, the term "crypto winter" it has been going on for a while, and but there are but some are saying it's finally come to an end. With Bitcoin also seeing a lack of volatility these days. In your view, has the crypto winter ended? Yeah, maybe I can nuance that with a little bit of、uh, understanding about the crypto winter. This is probably the third or fourth、uh, winter. Open inverted commas.、Uh, That that I've been through,、um, but it's a very different one from the previous winters. I think the previous crypto winters, you know, we have seen、uh, there were always questions about, you know, between the crypto players about whether crypto would still exist. You know, it's always an existential question. I think the big difference with this winter is that there wasn't this question among the the various players. Right.、Um, I think it's gotten to a stage where, or rather, it's hit a maturity where where crypto is being is being recognized as a legitimate financial asset, maybe frontier or emerging, right?、Uh, but you know, it's 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 here to stay as a capital market instrument or or as a class. So、uh, I think this is something that's very different.、Uh, what we what we saw this winter is really what is really a credit crisis in crypto. So imagine two thousand and eight. Uh, financial crisis,、uh, but without any chance of any bailout, right? So, like you said, you know, we saw few, more than two trillion dollars wiped off the market. We saw the credit market, meaning any guys who did borrowing and lending, uh, uh, take a hit either by defaults or, or by balance sheet shrinkage. But other parts of the space have been all right.、Uh, you know, spot trading, settlements, derivatives trading. In fact, some of these. Segments of the market have grown as well, so I, I would I would caveat this winter by by saying that you know、uh, it's a very different winter. As to whether we recover from the winter just yet, I think a lot of that is going to be very dependent on on macroeconomic factors、uh, a lot more than 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 you know just any idiosyncratic factors in crypto. So、uh, you know、uh, I, I wouldn't be so sure about that just yet. Okay, and you founded QCP Capital back in 2017, so you probably witnessed the transformation of the crypto world thus far. How would you describe the current trends in the crypto space, and what are some of the trends you're seeing? With those investing in crypto, so yeah, we founded the、uh, QCB Capital in 2017. Currently, we are 80, 80 plus people team. You know, based mostly in Singapore, some some some、uh, in in Europe and、uh, and other places as well. We are an institutional trading desk. You know, we we provide、uh, trading solutions and and trading strategies for clients, and we give access to to crypto capital markets. You know,、uh, and spot forward options. We were a bit early in this in this play,、uh, meaning that you know we we started options in 2018 when when there was Not much of an options market to begin with, 
uh, and, and I've always been calling that there will be this development where institutional players come in and, and they, they, they trade crypto like they do gold or equities or FX. I think this year, even in spite of downturn, that's something that we saw very significantly. You know, guys that I used to trade with and I was at a hedge fund uh, and at the banks, these are the same guys that are now trading crypto. I mean, being not, not just a shop or not just a firm, but the same guys that used to trade with me, trade FX options with me are now actually trading crypto, right? There's a full pivot and they're doing, they're doing so in a huge way. I think, you know, into the merge in August, uh, a very big hedge, global hedge fund name, uh, a single name was responsible for half of the Ether options volume globally. Uh, I think that tells you that, you know, if a single name can bring in such interest and volume, uh, as more and more of these names pick up, you know, I think we see real exponential growth in the crypto derivative space. And we also, you know, the historic Ethereum network merge. But while that launch was highly anticipated, there wasn't a big bounce in prices afterwards. So prices were in fact down soon after, not really helping with the already declining market. How would you describe the aftermath now that several months have passed? I think it's been very encouraging, actually. We saw very uh, heavy, long positioning into Ether, into the merch. And it makes sense, right? Because the market is a very narrative-driven one. So in a, in a, in a downturn where, where narratives are scarce, the Ethereum merge was a great narrative and, and a lot of speculators went long in, into that. Um, but if you look into the tech, the merge didn't immediately bring any supply-demand changes. It, wasn't, it was still going to be very usage-dependent. So there were some fundamental... There would have been, the, the merge would have brought some fundamental uh, uh, improvements in, in, in ETH in terms of energy usage um, and, and the inflationary effect. Of, of ETH but you know there wasn't much else different and uh, so a lot of the long positioning was actually just purely speculative so it makes sense you know uh, for a buy rumor sell fact effect uh, sell, sell the fact uh, uh, effect to happen um, when once the merge happened and it was somewhat of a non-event you know nothing much happened uh, that all these longs that that either went leveraged long into the into the merge or went long to the merge expecting something some fireworks to happen and that didn't happen they square off the positions and you know sort of, sort of have a mini reversion but yeah I think you know uh, uh, it doesn't mean that that the merge wasn't didn't do its job you know I think it did its job in what, what it set out to do um, and so I think you know we are quite bullish ETH going forward in fact the merge you know was a very good trading opportunity for a lot of institutional players there, there were if you think about it from a pure capital uh, markets perspective you know the merge can be sort of compared to a dividend right it's a fork right so it's, it's not really a dividend it's not a stock split either you know it's really a, a, a category of financial event in and of itself where you know by holding even spot you actually are given a bonus token so to speak right the, the, the proof of work token so you know as financial uh, or capital markets players we had to contend with understanding how exactly do you play this because you know there is no playbook when it comes to, to uh, a fork right? and and because of that, I think, you know, there were a lot of good opportunities in the space. You know, uh, the Ethereum forward curve went into backwardation. Uh, it was effectively, it was pricing the bonus token at a price of around 20 to $30. And, uh, you know, when eventually the, the, the token price, the, the bonus token price turned out to be around 6 to $11, there was actually a free, a good opportunity to make profit there. You know, doing a risk-free trade where you sell your Ethereum spot, buy the, the futures, lock in the $30, and then, you know, you buy back the, uh, you buy back the, uh, the, the bonus token for 11 
seven, you make a risk free sort of twenty dollar profit there. So these kind of opportunities, I think, uh, have, were interesting to the merge. Uh, so for us, we weren't too concerned about the direction or rather the the, the outright price movement. Uh, we were more focused on some derivative plays in in the futures, like like we just mentioned, or uh, a lot of the option plays as well. Because uh, into the merge, the implied volatility, the option prices, you know, went uh, uh, went went uh, very very rich. So you know, it was a good opportunity actually to sell volatility into that merge. And what are some pricing implications for Ether with it seemingly taking a step towards becoming a more secure, decentralized platform? Ironically, in terms of enterprise usage, it actually makes it would actually be more beneficial for Ether price to be more stable. I think that's the reason why you know Vitalik mentioned that he would rather not have uh, big institutional participation. Uh, you know, uh, he he said that that he's happy that the Ethereum ETF has not been approved. I mean, it makes sense for enterprise usage. It makes sense for instance of building where you want lower volatility stable so that you know you can uh, use that for, for payments and use that for, for building uh, and Ethereum becomes more of a tech play. But I think, you know, like I mentioned, it's all about narratives in the space. So, you know, as, as more and more narratives come out, uh, especially with the next Bitcoin narrative only being in 2024 with the, uh, the halving, I think Ethereum is probably going to be at the forefront of narratives. So institutions are definitely interested. You know, uh, over the years, we've always heard that, you know, either hedge funds or banks coming into the space, uh, Ethereum is always up there, right up there and even more popular than, than ETH in terms of something they want to look at. As a trading asset, so I don't think you can avoid. You can, I don't think you can avoid as, as as more and more narratives come out. You know, in terms of upgrades and usage, you're not going to be able to avoid pricing movements. Right. And our view is that it would probably be more positive than negative, right, going forward, especially as as these upgrades make Ethereum the Ethereum network more scalable. And speaking of institutions, we're also, as you mentioned, seeing a lot of financial institutions coming into play in the crypto world, despite the fall in prices and waning interest from retail investors. Would that help in boosting prices in any way? So I think this is a big fallacy. So let's let's look at the first instance of this uh, sort of institutional play. This was in 2019 when uh, the CME launched Bitcoin Futures. So guys back then would remember that Bitcoin price went from like around eight, five to eight thousand up to twenty thousand on that narrative where institutions are coming in. You know the CME is going to list Bitcoin Futures. But the very day that Bitcoin Futures were listed was the high of the market, and then. What followed was a crypto winter that ensued where Bitcoin went from 2,000 back to 20,000 back to 3,000. So I think it's a very big fallacy that institutions just come in and blindly buy coin and just go long. In fact, it could be more the other way around where in the case of Bitcoin futures on CME, the Bitcoin futures became a more, suddenly became an avenue to, to effectively short Bitcoin. And that's what the institutions did, right? So, uh, with the institutions coming in, I don't think there's, uh, you can actually attribute a directional impact to that. It could be higher volatility, it could be lower volatility, depends on what they want, what, what, what they want to do. But what we've seen on, with us, I mean, we are, we provide institutional solutions to, to, to various players, we hedge funds, family offices, high net worth individuals. What we've seen is that they take less of a directional play and actually take more of a market structure play. So they enter the space through derivatives. They could be doing uh, rates, you know, delta neutral, which directionally neutral strategies uh, and make, making money in discrepancies between future prices and, and spot prices, like I mentioned with Ethereum. Or they could be uh, taking some directional risk and options. Uh, but by and large, you know, I think a lot of them are not just coming in and going long. Uh, most of them are coming in and trying to, and seeing this more as a inefficient frontier market where these kind of idiosyncratic opportunities present themselves. Uh, and these opportunities are getting more and more scalable as well. So we're seeing a lot more interest from our clients to put on these kind of trades and we can help with that. And so, you know, to answer your question it's not a straightforward you know 
institutions equals higher price, it is a lot much more nuanced answer to that. And finally, what can institutional investors look forward to in the new future? Like I mentioned, you know, I think what we the, the this phase that we've seen in crypto is a phase where crypto is becoming a recognized capital market instrument. The downside of that is that it's high correlation to the rest of the macro markets, right? Um, but the positive side of that is that because it is starting to get more scalable in that respect, uh, the infrastructure is a lot better, whether it be trading settlement or, or you know derivative infrastructure. It's been very stable. It's been very robust. So to them, they can just see it as you know uh, they can trust the infrastructure. They can they can uh, you know quite safely trade this you know uh, with legitimate players, and uh, you know they they don't need to worry about the industry being a cowboy one where you know uh, you know things can go missing. I think I think we are beyond that phase. We have the banks trading them now. We have hedge funds trading them now. We have uh, you know uh, players who have seen multiple cycles in the space like ourselves trading it so you know I think the, the overall capital market or rather the market structure for, for crypto is a, is a lot more mature than it was before and that makes for a better channel to capture opportunities in crypto well thank you so much Darius for joining us today thank you so much thank you we've been speaking with Darius Sit, founder and chief investment officer at QCP Capital stay with Money FM 89.3 to listen to more great interviews download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app, that's A-W-E-D-I-O, available on Google Play or the App Store.